Okay, welcome to Royal Table Talk. My name is Latoya Conway Hampton and I am your host. And today I want to bring to you, who are you? <laughs> that is a very good question because you asked me who I am. I just discovered who I am. So I'm going to go by the name Verona Willis Brown. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but then I go by so many titles too. Okay, so I can tell, I don't know if there's a delay, but I'm going to pause a second just so I can get all of your thoughts because it ain't about me today. It's about Verona, okay? So welcome Verona to the Royal Table Talk. Thank you so much for saying yes. I appreciate you saying yes, yes. And today we're gonna to say yes, yes, and yes, right? To all of the amazing listeners in the world. I think that the purpose of this call to action is so many times in our life, we think about doing things that are amazing. And we have these thoughts in our head and it's like, I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. And you know you can do it, you feel you can do it, you know all of the steps it takes to do it. However, if you don't have that growth mindset, it will stop you in your tracks. It'll tell you you're not good enough and you're unable to do that. So I have you on today, Royal Table Talk, as an expert about the growth mindset. Tell me why, how, where you change your mindset. Ooh. Let me take a deep breath first. I want to take a deep breath. And I think we all should do that. Take that deep breath and then exhale. Because you see what happened, a lot of people know me with so many titles. And I'm gonna list a few of them. Inspirational speaker, podcaster, blogger, published author, mother, that person, youth mentor. Those are the titles that they put on me. Those are labels. But you see, what most people don't know is that I was that single mother who struggled for many, many years. By the time I was 21 years old, I had my daughter hook onto my, my hip like a little pocketbook. You know, she was on my shoulder and we walk around with our pocketbook everywhere we go. But she was more than a pocketbook. She was like a shadow because everywhere I went, she was with me. But you see, that was the moment I realized something. As a single mother, I was living at home with my parents. And I was eating out of my daughter's plate, hmm, right there. You see, because I was living at home with my parents, I was living in shame and disappointment for my father. It's like I dishonor the family by becoming a mother. See, mother is a good title. But you see, how you become a mother and the perception of others towards you can define the whole thing. Because my father was so disappointed in the daughter. That's me. I was the daughter and the sister and the friend. See, I was that daughter where he said, mm, this one is going to do something good. But yet, when I became that mother, shame was his game. Disappointment was his game. 
And while I was living there, I refused to eat my mother's food because I was afraid to swallow that bitter taste of shame. But of course, we all love our mother's food. And I couldn't eat mine. But every night when they went to bed, I fed my daughter. I fed her. And then I would eat the little crumbs that she left back, the little leftover, maybe one rice grain, maybe a little piece of chicken bone. And that was how I fed myself. But I fed my daughter. And each night I fed her, I lay my hand on her. And I promised her, I said, you know what? We are going to get out of this one day. One day. I am going to be somewhere where you will have your own place. And it did happen. It did. It did happen that my mother died and I had to move out. I moved up because I couldn't live there. I moved up and I got my first apartment. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you can remember getting your very first apartment, but that's the most exciting time there is. I got my first apartment, my apartment. And when I got that apartment, I remember going everywhere with my daughter. We planned vacation, local or foreign. It doesn't matter. We planned time together. But I remember December 2009. To the exact date, the 29th of December. If you're familiar with the winter time, it was very cold at that time. And I remember leaving her in the house, not because I wanted to, but it was too cold. It was too cold to take her out with me. And I said, if I leave her sleeping, Lord, Please help me to get out because I, I had a doctor's appointment that day. And I said, Lord, please, please help me to go where I'm going and come back on time where she's still sleeping. So she won't realize that I left her alone. That's risky. And you might say that's risky. But I took that risk. And that's what we do as mothers. We take risks for our children. And I took that risk and I left her home. And I remember just looking back at her, going towards the door. And as soon as I opened that door, the cold air hit my face. And I, and I said, I'm so glad that I'm leaving her. But you see what happened? It wasn't 10 minutes in my walk outside. Just like that. My light, my life became total darkness. Total darkness. So if you take up a moment and, and just close your eyes, you will see that it's dark. It is totally dark. And that moment as I close my eyes and I see just darkness, I heard a voice. And the voice saying to me, go back. Go back. Go back. I got confused as to why I was going back or where I was going to. And I was trying to gather myself at the same time, trying to figure out whose voice was that telling me to go back. Let me tell you, 
that voice was a familiar voice. It was, was a very familiar voice. And I, I appreciated that voice and I accepted that voice and I felt so good hearing that voice. And I didn't want to leave that voice. That voice is my mother. My mother died four years prior to that. Four years. And for me to hear my mother's voice was heavenly to me. I wanted to be next to my mother. I wanted my mother again. I wanted to hear my mother's voice one more time. But as she said to me, go back. And I said, no, I don't want to leave my mother. But as I open my eyes and I, and I look down, because at this point I felt I was in the air, but truly I was in the air because I looked down. And when I looked down, I saw myself in the middle of the street. Now, if you think about looking at yourself, now something is off with that. I thought to myself, maybe I was dreaming or maybe I was dead. Yeah, the second one, I was dead because I saw my body in the street. And I heard my mother say to me, I am not there to take care of your daughter. That was another light bulb for me. That was the moment I said, well, I have to go back to take care of my own child. That's my responsibility. Mothers, our responsibility is our children. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision in that moment to go back. And as I closed my eyes, I remember hearing the voice of death. And as I talked to you, I could see everything as if it was yesterday. The voice of death came in front of me. I said, no, you are going to be dead. Because I was coming, I was descending from a height so far that I could see the roof of so many buildings. I could see the top of trees. Simply mean I was at a height. And as death informed me that now you're dead. As I descend, I told myself, yeah, I'm dead. Because if I landed on the street, there's no way I was going to survive. But as I descend in slow motion, I remember made in a, a crash. There was a crash sound. And that crash sound, I landed on the dashboard of a park vehicle. I landed right there and I made eye contact with the man that sat there. He looked at me and we spoke with our eyes. And as we spoke, he asked me the question, what are you doing there? And the only thing I could say with my eyes, I don't know. I don't know. But I closed my eyes again because death came next to me again and said, well, 
If you run off his dashboard, he's going to kill you because he's going to be so scared. He's going to roll right over you. But it wasn't so. It wasn't so. As I entertained that, I entertained that voice. And how many times we entertain the voices that keep playing around in our head and they play around and they play around and they play around in our head. How many times we accept those voices and how many times we entertain those voices. And I play with death. And I said, sure, I'm dead. I forgot that I promised my mom that I was gonna go back to be responsible for my daughter. But as I closed my eyes, I said, God, I'm dead. But just then, as I rolled off the dashboard, I hit the street. And as soon as I hit the street, I felt as if someone came behind me and, and lifted me up. And just the way I am sitting right now, staring at you, was the same way I was sitting in the street, looking in space, while death was still talking to me. I had no pulse. My heart stopped beating. And I was just staring in space. Wondering why was I in the middle of the street? Death came in front of me again and said, now that you're in the middle of the street, the uncommon traffic going to run over you. So if you listen to me, you will see that the voices kept coming at me. And the more they kept coming at me, was the more I was accepting them. Hmm. And as I look, and the uncommon cars. I heard a voice whisper, I will give my angels charge over you. That was assuring. Yeah, that was assuring. Because you see, in that moment, I woke up not from my physical being, but from my inner self. Because mm -hmm. now I realize that I'm alive. The chaos of everybody screaming, saying, Oh my God, 911, the siren, everything kept going around me, but I was still looking in space. My common breath was hard for me to do. I didn't even want to breathe one more time because I was afraid that would be my last breath. And I said within myself, where is my daughter? I questioned myself, where is my daughter? But is it just like that? Just like that. If I was buried from that day, I would have died in my stroke, but I heard the voices of death, but I had to convince myself from my inner side, from inside my stillness that I must live. Mm -hmm. must fight. I have to live. Mm -hmm. 
I have to live because I felt incomplete. I felt so incomplete and I said to myself, God, please let me live. I don't want to die. I changed my perception of life at that moment. I said, I don't want to die. Because one, I want to live for my daughter. I wanted to raise my daughter. And two, I wanted to live for me. Three, I wanted to live for you. Knowing that my time was not over. There were more places I wanted to go. There were more people I wanted to speak to. There was something else inside of my belly that said I have to give birth. I wanted to give birth to something else. Mm. And God granted me just act from the stillness. So you must be wondering what happened. Yeah, I was hit by a car. I was hit by a car. And the same driver that hit me was the same driver dashboard that I landed on that spoke to me with his eyes and asked that question. Mm. But I wanted to live now. And here I am, a miracle. Someone who never even had one surgery. Mm. Someone who never had a concussion. Not a broken bone. Mm. Well, here I am, the miracle, a life miracle with a story that was piled up in my belly that I had to give birth to. So when I list all those titles, I rose up that winter day and mm -hmm. broken fate to create all those titles that were waiting for me with that song in my heart and a story in my belly to give birth and to raise my daughter, but most of all, to give birth to my passion, my purpose, my dreams, and my vision. And that's one thing why I'm here today, to let you know your passion and your purpose is for you. Mm -hmm. And you have to give birth to them. Yes. Don't let others' opinion define who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't let others' opinion suffocate your gifts and your talents. You see, I, I allow my father's view of me, of how I dishonor the family, to help me down for a while. But may their soul rest in peace as I rise up. I rise up in their legacy. I rise up in their names and I carry a mantle just for them. Knowing that I can't live in shame and I will not let shame or dishonor or the perception of others define my authentic self. But now I evolve into my butterfly self.
I can't return to school. That's that's my story. My sister butterfly, huh? Wow, wow, so amazing. And I want to go back a little bit because your story was so captivating to where I didn't even want to interrupt and ask questions because it's a process. Um, And I can tell that in that process, you can feel it, right? Because I was on the journey with you. The part where it got really heavy for me in the journey is when I, I fell down from the sky with you afraid to fall on the ground because cars will run me over and keep going because they don't either they can't stop don't know how to stop don't even know I'm there I don't know but I land on the the car the hood of the car of the guy who hit me and he's looking at me because he's unsure okay I didn't hit you guys I, why are you there I don't know why I'm here why are you there but yet and still that connection still allowed an opportunity for a growth mindset to say, I got to get up from here, right? My baby's left at home. I left her at home to keep her safe. She's at home alone. I have to fight through this. In spite of death coming and trying to swipe me up, I need to be strong. I need to tap into my growth mindset because I'm the author of what's going to happen right here and now. Either I can go with my mother in a lovely voice and the mother that I want and I love and I know that I probably still need, yet and yeah. still my daughter needs me because mom is not going to be there to care for my baby. Yeah. So I got to get up, change my thought process instead of going with that easy peace, love and comfort. I am going to fight for yeah. not only my life, but the life of my daughters and those to come thereafter. So tell me this. Now. That's the big step in your life that you've been able to overcome that. That was a skill set. That was a strength. That was an opportunity for you to see that you got power. Now, show me how you have took that experience and applied it to other areas of your life when it comes to growth mindset. You see, what what, what I failed to tell you is that in the in the early part of that accident, I lost my memory. Mm. I lost my memory and I had to relearn everything. Mm. I even had to relearn my daughter's name. I had to relearn everything. So as I got up from the accident and I had to relearn everything, I had to depend on God to teach me everything from scratch. I walked every day. And even though I took off from my job, when I returned to my job, I went back with a smile. I went back as the person that they knew me as. And nobody knew I was struggling. Nobody knew I was struggling with memory loss. Because God said, I got you. And I remember he kept saying, I'll give my angels charge over you. So somehow I keep on playing that around in my head that the angels are going to do the work for me. That's right. The angels are going to talk for me. Yes. The angels are going to raise my daughter for me. So everything for me was the angels are around me. And that alone helped me to elevate into a place where my mind says, you are not your own. You can't make it on your own because 
I have angels guiding you and, and teaching you these things. So I learned to adapt to that concept that I always have angels around me. So I put myself in that mindset. And as I try to go back into my routine of, I was always a writer. See, I, and I go back into my routine of, of writing and I would write everything down and, and I start writing what my spirit is saying to me and I would start writing poems of how I, I felt from my inside. I felt every ounce of my being start expanding mm -hmm. to a place where you are going to make it. You are going to grow. You are going to elevate. Just keep on trusting from the inside. That's smart. So let me ask you this, just because I'm curious, um, you, you talked about leaving and you left your daughter because I work with child welfare. Who got the baby out the house and how old was she? Oh, no, nobody got her out of the house because by the time I got, like I told you, I had no surgery done, nothing was done. Yeah. By the time the ambulance came to pick me up, they took me to the hospital. They did. They took me to the ER. When I got to the ER, I had nothing for them to say, we have to admit you. Okay. There was no proof that I was hit by a car. I walked off the stretcher in the emergency room and sat down like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So they look at me and they evaluate me and they said, we can't keep you because we don't see no injury. Okay. <laughs> But I remember, like I said, angels were in charge. Yeah. So by the time they discharged me after two hours from the emergency room, because there's a time limit that you can be in the emergency room. After they discharged me from the emergency room, I went back home. And my baby was still sleeping. Ah. Uh, still sleep. Uh, <laughs> Had no idea that her mother was hit by a car. That's why. She wasn't a baby, baby. She was a teenager because she just started high school. Uh -huh. but my, that's my baby. Uh huh. But she it. just started high school. And she had no idea that I just came from the emergency room. Wow. That I was dead. And I got resurrected to come back to her. So, my question is. What was the biggest lesson that you've learned in life overall? Just a big lesson that you would send a shout out to the listeners. You're my, like, biggest ah! lesson, <laughs> my biggest lesson, and I would tell anybody this, don't take anything or anyone for granted. No time or no space for granted. It's not that I did take anything for granted before, but I learned that to take it to a different level and to be so grateful, mm. to be so grateful for the common breath that you breathe, to take each moment as if it is your last. Wow. As if it is your last. Because oftentimes you hear the same, tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. But you know what we say so fluidly? 
and we take it for granted. I see it more. But <laughs> yes. did I knew my tomorrow was not promised on December 29, 2009? When I left my daughter at home, did I know? No. No. So please don't take any time or space for granted. I like it. So tell me, how do you practice self-care? Because I know you wear many hats in the world. <laughs> and I know that you've had this moment in your life that you were able to pivot and change your growth mindset to those very powerful things. Don't take people for granted. Um, don't take breath for granted, right? Just a and people that are asthmatics can can really contest to this because they're like, I can't breathe. Yeah. You're looking like, you know, what's wrong? Well, you'll never know because you're breathing just fine. So what are some of the strategies that you use for self-care? Self-care, I go on a diet. And when I go on a diet, I don't go on a food diet. I go on a mental diet. Okay. And what does that look like? And a mental diet is where you, you know how to, what to entertain. The things that you entertain, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the people that surround you. Mm -hmm. These are all things that add to your mental state of mind. And if my mental state of mind is not intact, mm -hmm. I don't focus too well. That's right. So I try to keep my space very clear. Very clear. So if I have to detox my mental state of mind by dropping somebody off, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do. And I learned one thing to add to my diet when it comes to my mental state of mind, and that is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I Tell me a little bit about that. See, forgiveness, forgiveness, we, we look at forgiveness as saying that we have to give forgive somebody at all times. Mm -hmm. But forgiveness, you have to forgive yourself first. You have to learn to forgive yourself. And I learned how to forgive myself because I'm always saying, oh, you got to say sorry to me or I got to say sorry to you. But what happened to me? Mm -hmm. Self-forgiveness is more powerful than any other forgiveness there is. And the more you practice self-forgiveness, the more you get inside and you detox and you dissect from the inside of the areas where you Convince yourself that you're not enough. Mm -hmm. You talk bad about yourself. You criticize yourself. Mm -hmm. So the more you get in and the more you say to yourself, I forgive you. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I forgive you. And that is where you come to a point where you learn to accept your flaws, your failures and your faults, you accept that. Because those three things are the three main things that is either you gonna construct yourself on or somebody's gonna give you constructive criticism. But I learned to accept mine. And I learned to forgive myself and all those times where I use those against myself. So sure. self-care for me. <laughs> yeah. is, is a diet is a mental diet like and, and you you mentioned something like 
dropping people off. So I I, want to touch on that a little bit because what I've learned is after being in unhealthy relationships, then you have unhealthy friendships, right? Because you're attracted to that type of behavior, whether you know it, accept it or not. Yes. And then you you acquire these group of people that are either really, really needy or really, really controlling one or the other. There is no happy medium in there. And with that being said, it comes a time where you have to release them and release the relationship. But it depends on how healthy you are, whether you're going to hold on and draw back in or if you're going to release it and just let it go. You know, so when you said being able to drop people off, I appreciate that because not only drop them off, but leave them where you drop them off at. In a way that is healthy, right? Because yeah. we always want people to leave us better than the way they came. I'm a yeah. firm believer in that. You know, yeah. I, as a CEO of my company, one of the things that I'm learning that I need to really, really work on, and I still do it, is hiring people that I can help instead of having people that can help me, right? I'm good for that because I'm like, oh, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. And then when I need stuff, I don't have access to it. Right. Mm. And so just really learning that, that that's a, I was writing about this a, a couple of months ago in my book and it's in the, the one that's coming out in December. But be that as it may, it was one of those things that I'm, it just glared me in my face. Like, why do you hire the people you hire? What what is the strength that they have? They got a lot of strengths and they're good at what they do. But I hire them because I want to help them. But we got to help each other. Yeah. Right. And that's that's those unhealthy relationships and friendships, right? And yes. so I find myself, I have a few people in my life that are I consider friends. And I go back and forth with it's like six of them. I go talk to this one, you know, and then this one we don't talk for a while, and then I go, and it's like, <laughs> go find new friends, right? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's the mindset, it's the growth yes. mindset because you outgrow your friends. You outgrow and that's what you have to accept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you outgrow them they're sitting yeah. there enjoying who you are right now but guess where i'm gonna be in five years from now i'm not gonna be there you stay there with her and i'm going over here right so that growth mindset is really powerful and you definitely tapped into it when you said dropping people off and yeah. not dropping them off like give them their blanket and their cover and say all right baby my time is up that that season that beautiful winter that you talked about right Everybody that comes in our in our life and our world has a, a season and a reason. And why? Because when you're growing mentally and your mindset is constantly changing, you have to take people with you that can change. Otherwise, they're going to be a ball and chain and hold you down. So who, not who, that wouldn't be appropriate. How many, uh, how many times in your life had you have to drop off people that don't want to shift their mind change? Is it a constant thing or do you no longer attract those type of people? Talk to me about the mind shift and the friends that you attract. Well, not only friends, but family. Yes. Yeah, not only friends, but family. Because, see, I had to step away from my entire family for about two years, three years. Mm-hmm. Because I felt my expansion. Right. And when you are feeling your expansion and somebody cannot <gasps> fit in that mold or they don't see your expansion you have to step away yes i step away from my entire family i went in hiding for about three years nobody knew where i was because that was my moment they said uh-uh you're not serving me i don't care much of a sister you are 
Mm -hmm. I don't care much of a brother you are. You just want, because what happened, what happened is, you have them come and they're like this, and they pick for me. They pick for me. They pick for me, and they pick for me. And if you look at the five fingers, if you pick one, and then you pick here, and then you pick here, and then you pick here, five fingers, and then There's nothing five left. people are picking one finger at a time. Right. What do you have with just your bare hand? Nothing. Just so nothing. So what? <laughs> They was not gonna pick for me anymore. Okay. I had to make a decision for myself. Oh. And I wasn't giving a warning. I never gave a warning because I knew me. I knew what I wanted from my inside. That's right. I, I felt my expansion from the inside. And it's saying, Verona, they're not serving you. Verona, they're taking from you, but you can't get nothing back from them. Mm -hmm. So the more I'm giving to you, and you're not giving me back, you uh, yeah, you're not going to serve me. You're not going to do that. So I have right. to drop you off. Because the whole thing is, it's a two-way street. It is. That's a relationship. It's a relationship or friendship. Well, that's a relationship, but... But here's the thing, Verona, a relationship is still a friendship, whether it's with your children, with your husband, yes. with whoever. It, it's a friendship, it's a relationship, it's a family ship. Be that as it may, you don't get to take from me. Because when you're good to people, right? When you're good to people, it depends on what your perception of good is, right? If there's hidden motives, then that's not really good. You're, you're trying to get something out the deal. But when you can honestly, genuinely be loving and caring and supportive, and then your mind shift and your mind self changes to a higher ground, then the people that you were spending time with look at you like, oh, now you think you're better than I am type conversation. So I'm now 23 years sober. And I come from a group of uh, from a group of women, and out of all of us, I'm the one who moved out and done something different. There was a time earlier in my recovery where I would go back and, "Hey, how you doing?" I was like, "Oh, you think you this? Oh, you think you that? Oh," and I'm like, "Where do you get that from?" Just because yeah. I made a decision to change my mind because I want something different, yeah. like investing in my mind, right? Because everybody I knew and hung out with didn't really want anything they will they are okay with being an employee see that don't work for me right no that don't no. work for me we can no. we can grow together you can start off this way then you my partner then we're gonna make it work it's teamwork it's a team effort yes but not everybody yeah. have that mindset no it's a shifting no. in your thinking do you want to be the employee or do you want to own a company right what's your mindset <laughs> that's right brad <laughs> listen sis okay. the whole thing about life is mindset because it's yeah. a mindset. The mindset is, there are two words, the mindset. The mind right? the set. The set. Or yes. set and mind. Okay. Set and mind simply saying, what is it that you're setting your mind on? Are you setting your mind on growth? Mm -hmm. Or are you setting your mind on stagnation? You see, there's no way you can just keep me on one level mm. and expect me to grow from there. No. So if you think that you can be in my circle, that I am trying to build here, that you're going to keep me like this, you got to go. I got to go on a diet there. 
<laughs> you and your diets, huh? Yes, honey, because I'm all about diets. I'm all I about understand. diets. I'm all about the whole being. Yes, honey. Spiritual diet, mental diet, emotional diet, regular okay. diet. I'm on a diet. Yes, and I, and I love it. I love it. So I want to say this. So we have four minutes left. So is there, could you sum up for me something that you will shift our, our mind shift? Three things that people can do. Because we know what a fixed mindset is. You don't want to do nothing. You set where you are. You afraid to stretch out because I can't do it. No, it won't work. Instead of let me figure out the how. Because anytime there's something to be done, there is a how. And if you open your mind to the word how, it would look for a solution, right? Tell me, what would you leave our guests with today? <sighs> There's another breather. First, breathe. Breathe. First, go within yourself. Find you. Do not compete with others. The more you compete with the others, the less you will find you. Dig deep every single day because every day that we are awake is an opportunity for us to add on to ourselves, to expand ourselves. Your mindset cannot be on the same thing from yesterday. Today is a new day in this literal sense, as well as in your mind. Mm -hmm. Accept now. Now is your time. Keep on telling yourself this. Because the more you tell yourself that now is your time, just the same way I had to tell myself that I don't want to die, mm -hmm. it's the same thing that you must tell yourself. I don't want this anymore. You should know what served you and serve you well. So if this is the last thing you should hear from me in this moment, find your authentic self and come forth and live in your true, not somebody else's projection of you, in mm -hmm. your true. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Latanya's truth, Verona's truth, and everybody else's truth must be individualized. Live it. And when you live it, live it unfoldable. Don't live it empty. Because if you die today, why would you want to die empty or not full? Why? So I call you to come forth. Come forth with your gifts and your talents and let's live. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you tuning in and being a part of our call to action when you think of strengthening your mindset. I mean, I'm sure your story and your resilience would touch the hearts of many. If someone needed to reach out to find you, how could they do that? I'm easy to find. <laughs> I'm so glad I found myself. So I'm easy to find. You can. <laughs> You can find me on Facebook, Verona Willis Brown. Or you can find me on my on my show, which is on Are You Free Enough book page. That's my show page. And that is the question. 
I have a show called The Question. And so that's the question. Are you free enough? Or you can find me on Anchor, Spotify, wherever podcast is listened to. I do have a podcast over there for single women where I drop some. All the single ladies. All the single Single ladies. ladies. All the single ladies. I'm not single. I'm happily married. But listen, single, you can be married and still feel single. You're welcome to come on over there because I do drop some dime over there. Yes. You you know what? I'm going to say this and then I promise I'm going to end. What I love about being involved with a lot of women, because iron sharpens iron, right? The areas that I need to be sharpened, you can help. The areas you need to be sharpened, I can help. And when we come together collectively, we can change the world one woman at a time. Woo! Listen, honey, let me just tell you this. Women are life bearers. Yes, ma'am. Take it or leave it, men. Women are life bearers. Without us, there's no man. Without man, there's no us. And there's gotta have it all. (laughs) It gotta be two ways, honey, two ways. Like I said this to somebody the other day, prayer is not a one-way street because when you pray, you're only thinking, I'm praying and asking God for something, but do you stop to listen to when you answer? So this is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. What happened as single mothers, they hand us extra role. We were not born to be single mothers. Mm-hmm. They gave us that role. No one ever had that dream that they want to be a single mother. Oh, I want to grow up to be the lovely wife and the lovely mother and all these things. Single mother was never a title that no little girl could dream of. Well, some moms want to be single. But now they, they want to be single because it was a title that was given to them. Ah, okay. You never want to be a single mother. You I know, know for sure when I, I was a little it. girl. But when I, I was a little girl, I never dreamed of that. Well, I didn't, I didn't dream of it, but when it happened, it was okay. Because, there, you know, I have nine children. There were a time in my life where I had seven children, just me and my baby. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just rock and roll, roll with it. Right. With it. You know, but just, that was a title that was given to you. It could be by choice or not by choice. You didn't just I like, have, hey, I, want to be a, I want to be a single mother for seven children. No. I don't, see, I don't even look at it like that. I, I get to be a mother with my seven children. See, I, I right. look at it. A mother. A mother. That's it. Nothing else. Even at, I don't even ever. I don't even ever considered myself being a single mother until you and I just had this conversation. Because I went from an abusive relationship to learning to love myself, and in that period of time, I wasn't in a relationship. Then at that point, I was a single mother. So I'm not even. <laughs> I never even came up with that. I was so busy trying to find me as you are today. <laughs> so you know I can talk forever. But, uh, and, and he's over here telling me, y'all got one minute, so stop bonding. So I want to say this. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, which was completely amazing. And I went on that journey with you. And um, I am grateful that yeah. you found what you needed with, within and you took that mindset because it all starts here right you took that mindset and you moved right along with it right bounced right back up went back home to your daughter and she's still sleeping that is a miracle because in my world dcfs would be at the door the kids would be in foster care 
you not you know boom 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 yeah so so thank you so much and we will talk soon yes trust me and and now that now that you have a friend we can figure out how to sharpen each other's iron and that's right technology stuff that's completely amazing but i thank you so much for tuning in my name is latoya conway hampton and i am your host you have a wonderful day